Hey, hi, hello, welcome to Smoke Show. This is Claire, and today we're going to talk about celebrities feeding their stands and stand culture and why it's bad and why I'm increasingly nervous about it and why I need to talk about Harry Styles and the Rolling Stone article that came out today, despite the fact that I genuinely believe that most things would be better if we sat with them for 24 hours before saying anything about them. Like, I think Twitter would honestly benefit from like a two-hour delay of like, hey, you wrote this two hours ago. Are you still sure you want to send the tweet? I think a lot of people would be like, nah. Um, I understand that Twitter, you know, was made for breaking news, but it would just be very funny if all social media suddenly got like super regulated and they were like, actually, it's not good for your brain to have like unfettered access to every piece of information that has ever existed in the entire world. We're going to put some breaks on this. And I understand that, that sounds like censorship, but I just feel like uh, I saw a TikTok of somebody the other day, and I need to delete TikTok. Oh, my God. It, this week in particular has really been whew, uh, a bad week on TikTok. Like, also, I just find it so I can't. People cannot stop exposing themselves. I, you know, like the Lana um, New York Times critic who turned out to be a Nepo baby, but only got in trouble because she exposed a DM she got from Amanda Sandler and Amanda Stenberg. Um like that entire situation is wild but like what's even more wild is that nobody exists in private on the internet so like she lena she wanted to make uh, like i just feel like i was talking about amanda so i wanted to make sure that it was clear that i was talking about lena lena um she wanted to be tiktok famous and like she had a pretty big following on there and then she went too far and she exposed a DM that, like, she didn't need to expose, like, and it's that thing of, like, why did this need to be public? And it's like, well, it needed to be public because she needed the publicity from it. She just thought she was going to get a different type of publicity. And now everybody who ever went to Smith College with the girl is in the fucking Dumas subreddit talking about. I, I feel like I just said Dumas so strangely. So the Dumas subreddit talking shit about how weird she was in college or how annoying she was in college and, like, my favorite thing on the internet is that you can never fact check people. And so often, I this I don't know if anybody else remembers this at the beginning of COVID, but like the two days before COVID like lockdowns went into place, quote unquote, we didn't really have lockdowns in America. Everybody coming into the pet store suddenly had it. Like I was working in a pet store at the time and the other girl went left New York City, um, which honestly, good for her. Um, so I suddenly had to take over like all of the shifts inside of, the store. Anyway, I was working in the store a lot more than I had used to be. <laughs> I was exposed to a lot more people every day. A great time for that to be true. And everybody coming in was suddenly had a friend or a cousin who worked at the Pentagon and had insider information. Everybody wants to know something else, something that somebody doesn't know. I think like we're really having a hard time as like a human species, not feeling seen and needing to feel really special. And I think that's why the attention economy has gotten so bad. I think it's leading to a lot of other things, but I think stands and conspiracy theories kind of go hand in hand because it creates this like bond within the fandom to believe something or to quote unquote know something that other people don't know. And I think people really like to feel special in that way. But I think on the internet, people forget that it's really easy to fucking lie. So anytime somebody writes something on Reddit or like a TikTok comment is like, I'm a nurse and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's very possible that they are a nurse, but it's also very possible that this person is lying. And I just feel like it's really important to keep in mind when it comes to the internet. I'm sure most people do. But anyway, I want to talk about this Harry Styles Rolling Stone interview because I have a lot to say about Harry Styles like in general, but I don't really, I find it really boring to discuss his like, is he queer bait? Like it's, 
I don't think real people can queer bait. I think queer baiting is like a written thing where people are taking advantage of a fandom, latching on to the queer subtext that they are clearly coding into the characters. I think queer baiting definitely used to be something that was coded in on purpose to give even just a hint of gay representations. We have to remember that it wasn't always now, even 10 years ago wasn't now. And so the representation has definitely changed and evolved. And it used to be that like sneaking in little subtle things was sometimes really revolutionary or just like hinting that there was happiness in a gay man's life was like all that sometimes the television could handle. And that in and of itself was often very revolutionary. So television's a really cool revolutionary medium I don't know that it is like anymore I think um now it's also spread that like there's no consensus and you know you can't expect America to like learn a lesson through a television show anymore because we're just not all watching the same tv and certainly not on the same night anyway Harry Styles <sighs> let's see um brief history of my uh knowledge like when I got into Harry Styles it was my sophomore year of college it was about halfway through the year I don't remember what happened but I ended up looking up the what makes you beautiful music video First time I saw Harry Styles, I gasped and I really remember that. And then being like, I don't think I've ever gasped before. Like it was, oh, what a moment. Um, <laughs> that music video was so like, you can tell they just had no idea how big this band was going to be. I mean, same thing with like one thing and like the X Factor stuff. There's, you know, rumors coming out about how all of the fans were planted and how this was just like the launch that they wanted to do and I think that's probably true I think they definitely wanted to hype One Direction because Simon Cowell looked at those boys and was like cash cow and that's how he treated them for the next like six years of their life and One Direction is <laughs> the f- hmm. oh yeah the fandom of One Direction is varied and I think like we'll never really see anything quite like it again probably just because of the age of the internet and how many boys there were in the band and how the ship wars <laughs> happened and how it was about real people. And I just, the best, tum- I will link to this Tumblr post, but the best Tumblr post of all time is this picture of One Direction on like Late Night with Jimmy Fallon or something. And somebody has written, and it's like Zane and Liam are staring at each other. And the rest of the band is all looking at Zane. I think he said something funny. And... Somebody wrote underneath it, I hate this picture because they're all looking at Zane, but Zane's only looking at Liam. And somebody else replied to it and said, he's only got two eyes. And I just think about that all the time with Stan Culture because the implied thing is that the person thought that, you know, Zane and Liam were an item. And so um, shippers are a big thing and a big part of what I want to talk about because the Harry Styles article, I'm not really going to talk about like a lot of the stuff going on in it. I don't really care about how Harry Styles is presenting himself or marketing his like quote unquote, like they keep calling it like gender queerness. And I'm like, is he doing that? Or is he just wearing a dress? I think like it should be a lot more chill for men to wear dresses because women get to wear pants and we did it like 50 years ago. So it's very, very 50. We did it like a hundred years ago. So it's very, very normal now. But I just think that men should be able to wear dresses without it. Like, being a thing if they want it to be a thing if they want it to be a way that they're like expressing themselves or playing with gender or questioning or going towards a non-binary or like you know like gender fl- whatever whatever anybody wants to be I think we just like don't need to be so obsessed with labels like it's great to have so many frameworks to um, put yourself through the questions of like hey does that apply to me but I think it's just like we're becoming more and more obsessed with like well, I need to know exactly how you identify. And I think like sometimes the ambiguity is really nice because humans exist in different planes on different days. 
Anyway, this is all coming from somebody who's bi all the time and can't seem to, the internet can't seem to understand that bi people are bi all the time. I don't understand this. This is a side tangent, but I just don't understand why it's so fucking hard to understand that no matter who a bi person is dating, they are still always bi. Somebody once defined bisexuals as like being like werewolves, and I think that's a really great way to put it. Like if a werewolf is in its wolf form, it is still a werewolf. It is not a true wolf. And if a werewolf is a person form, it is in its person form. It is still a werewolf. Werewolf all the time, regardless of what sex or gender anybody I'm in a relationship with, still by all the time. Anyway, <laughs> Harry Styles purposely keeps it ambiguous. I think, you know, it's a... Cl- <laughs> I don't want to say it's a clear marketing tactic, but I do think he gets to do things like sell nail polish without that being a really big surprise to his audience. And like, I think it's important to keep in mind just how demographically strong Harry's audience is of former directioners and women. He's not really like they make it a point in this Rolling Stone article to be like, yeah, men like my album now. Like it's. It's exhausting. We can't just ever appreciate the things that women like. As as good, we have to be like, no, no, no. People have now come around to him, which is fine. I'm glad that Harry has a big career. But um, the way that this article addresses his dating life, I think is really interesting. So here's the thing about celebrities. I think we know too much. I think we're too invasive. I think it's bad that we expect to know as much as the public now kind of froths at the mouth for as far as like invasiveness with celebrities. I think it's good that celebrities are able to sometimes do things under the radar. I think that's very important. I think people deserve privacy. I think celebrities sign up for a certain amount of public scrutiny. But like we have never seen public scrutiny to this level, to this scale. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Like everything has happened, right? People have shipped real life people before. People have written fanfic forever. People have definitely like shown up and stalked celebrities and done all of that, but it's never been as easy and it's never been as prevalent and it's never been as accessible for other people to get that information. And I think there's like a really dark side to fandom that doesn't get talked about a lot because it's mostly spaces occupied by women. And so we don't look at them that closely, but like a lot of these girls are doing like basically all of the free marketing, the publicity. We've convinced fans that having higher streaming numbers is actually like a really credible part of an artist. And so people do streaming parties and they pressure each other to stream and sales really matter. And the only person benefiting from that is the record label. Like, the artist, I don't know that the artist care. you know? Like, it, it must be nice to be the most streamed person on Spotify, but, like, does that really do what is, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure you're getting money, and, like, that's cool. Like, at that, at that volume, you're getting money. You're not getting money if you're getting, like, you know, 100 streams a day. But, like, streaming is bullshit. I'm so over streaming. I think we should all go back to owning physical things. <laughs> I think, like, after the whole, like, HBO, Warner, like, taking stuff off the air, I think it's absolute bullshit they were able to take Sesame Street off the air. I think it's bullshit they're doing it for tax write-off. I-, I hate streaming. I am such a physical copy kind of person, and my PS4 no longer takes discs, and that happened because they, like, purposefully made that obsolete when the PS5 came out. So my thing with the digital library is, like, what happens if the digital library one day goes away? Like, I don't like subscription services that don't need to be subscription. I think um, we should have regulations on that. I don't think Adobe should be able to charge a subscription for Photoshop when they don't meaningfully update it every month. There's no reason that it can't be a one-time purchase because it is not a fundamentally different program than it was when it was a one-time purchase. And I think a subscription service or a one-time purchase would be a fine option because there are definitely people that are like, I don't need to download the whole suite. I just need to use it for like one month for like a couple projects for marketing or something. But like, anyway, I just think this should be regulated. We don't regulate the internet. <laughs> Harry Styles, Rolling Stone interview. <laughs> 
So in it, there's this kind of like they ha- they have pictures of him and Olivia Wilde walking hand in hand in the photo. If you don't know, Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde have been like dating for a few months. She is the director on a movie that's coming out that he's in with Florence Pugh. There's been a ton of behind the scenes drama and speculation about the drama because allegedly she was really Olivia Wilde is being accused of being unprofessional and giving a bunch of favoritism to Harry. And now Florence Pugh doesn't want to promote the movie. And Harry's styles as fans are actually attacking Olivia Wilde all over the Internet. And there was rumors that the film might get shelved. And if it does, that is because of like a rabid stan war against this woman because she dared to date their favorite celebrity. And that's what it is. People now feel like an ownership of of these celebrities. It's not just that they're artists whose music they really enjoy. They feel a sense of betrayal when they do something. They feel a sense of like it's it's very personal and they cultivate that personal relationship because a parasocial relationship is for the benefit of the artist because it gives you an emotional connection. It makes you more, it makes you stream more. It makes you buy more. It makes you show up to the concerts. It makes, there's frenzy. You're doing free advertisement online all the time. Every single time anybody tweets about Harry Styles, that's free promotion. You can't pay for that kind of marketing. You know what I mean? So I just really always like to keep that in mind. And Harry Styles is just kind of like the ultimate capitalist, you know, like his music. I liked his first, like his second solo album I thought was really great. This first one was fine. Uh, this new one, not for me. It just doesn't have anything in it. I went for a morning walk. was really excited to listen to it. Meh. Um, I was kind of bummed. <laughs> so it's not that I don't like him. I just think he's really kind of like, he's just, it's very straightforward and that's fine. And he's serving a purpose and he's in a lot of movies and he's trying to be kind of like an old school A-list star, but he's also got all of these kind of rumors that haunt and follow him that his fans won't let die. So before I get into all that, I just want to talk about what he actually like says in says in it and and what he says about being in a relationship. And so one of the quotes is Styles, without prompting, points to how silly he finds some of the arguments about how he may identify to be. And this is his identity and his sexual relationship. Anyway, this is a quote. Some people say you've only been public with women. And I don't think I've been public with anyone. If someone takes a picture of you with someone, it doesn't mean you're choosing to have a public relationship or something. So he is saying he's never publicly been with a person. He has had several very public relationships, including the one he's currently in right now with Olivia Wilde. She's shown up at a bunch of his tours. They've been photographed together. Like, people know they're together. You can't just, like, I think it's it's so strange to deny reality, but he can't confirm he's in a relationship because that would piss off so many of his fucking fans. So then the article goes on to talk about how... um, They've said very little about their relationship publicly. Anonymous tweeters act appalled at their age difference. These people are not anonymous. They have their full fucking Kofi's in their profile. Um, people are proud to be stands. People are not hiding. They're putting their full face and name. They're getting on TikTok and saying like some crazy stuff. So like they're getting on TikTok and saying some shit that they shouldn't be saying with their full face and full public name. So like calling them anonymous Twitter accounts, I think is a problem. We continuously talk about trolls as if like there's no way we can know who these people are. And it's like, it's very easy to know who these people are. They're fucking linking to their like public stuff. Like it's, uh, anyway. Um, most intense and jarring was a corner of Styles' fandom that has made fun of Wilde's dancing or made lengthy Twitter threads and TikTok videos canceling her for batter and sensitive jokes made a decade ago. No links to any of these um, tweets, which is fine. I, I understand not wanting to put the thing in, but like, I don't know what these lengthy Twitter threads really include. Um, and insensitive jokes made a decade ago. It was 2012, a decade ago. So that's the, you're getting in some shit there. If Styles is already held to a high standard, his potential partners are held to an unreachable one for some of his fans. 
Yeah, I think that's a succinct way of putting that his fans will not accept anyone who he dates. Um, I think it's interesting that, like, we, you know, I think that's true of all women. So all Harry actually says about his fans, like, they're they're putting it in the narrative that he is tiptoeing around it, is that obviously doesn't make me feel good. That's all he says about his stands, like, coming for the woman that he is not, like, allegedly dating, but, like, kind of publicly implying he's dating or whatever. Um... And then he later talks. This is the quote that really (laughs) we're here. We've arrived at the quote. Can you imagine, he says, going on a second date with someone and being like, "Okay, there's this corner of the thing and they're going to say this and it's going to be really crazy and they're going to be really mean and it's not real. But anyway, what do you want to eat? And the thing is, he's saying I've never been publicly with anyone. Like, can you imagine having to say that to somebody? But then they go on to actually interview Olivia Wilde for this interview. And she says that his fandom is a collective of deeply loving people who have fostered an accepting community. What I don't understand about the cruelty you're referencing is that there's kind of a toxic negativity as the antithesis to Harry and everything he puts out there. I don't personally believe the hateful energy defines his fan base at all. The majority of them are true champions of kindness. Okay. This is a woman whose movie has been like under attack by these people for months and she still has to be super diplomatic in how she answers this. And also like the idea that he won't publicly confirm that he's dating her, but she's being interviewed about being attacked by his fan base in the same article is just like at what give up the ghost. Harry, come on, let's let's go. So, OK, <laughs> let's go back to this quote where he says, and it's going to be really crazy and they're going to be really mean and it's not real. So Harry Styles, if if you're uh, unaware and, and oh, I wish I was, um, Harry Styles is at the center of probably one of the largest like long term conspiracy relationship things in current pop culture. <sighs> I can't believe I say all this now. Oh, I put myself here. I can't, there's no one to blame but me. And now I have to give a brief history of the Larrys. Um, okay, so the Larrys. The Larrys are the fa- the faction that people are talking about here. Like, there's probably people who don't believe that um, he's dating or dated or is hiding, but has always been dating um, Louis Tomlinson, his former bandmate in One Direction. But there is a large section of his fan base that does, and that's what keeps them there, and that's what keeps them going. So the reason he's being so careful is not because... He wants to not offend anybody. I think there are some there's some behaviors that need to be called out in a way that I don't think you get to coddle people who have made death threats against random strangers on the Internet. I think you need to tell them to cut that shit out. I don't know that anybody has ever been able to like rein in their fan base and things like that. But I do think stands, you know, take all the fun out of everything. And, you know, it's they don't even love the person. They love a projection of the person because like... His whole thing is positivity and, like, positivity and kind of, like, the, you know, wellness and positivity. I'm an influencer kind of way. Like, it's not deep or, you know, super deep. But, hey, if people get something out of it, good for them. It just feels very part of the hyper-realism of America. So, um, Larry, the Larry, Larry Stylinson is a ship name given to Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson, who people believe are still together and got together during their X Factor days. There are old, there's a lot of compilations um, of like very young, like 16, 17 year old Harry, like running around with Louie and people put, slow it down and put it to romantic music. And like, here's the thing. 
it doesn't actually matter one way or the other if these two have ever been together. What people have done with the idea that they are together or have been together, because like obviously there's people who believe um, that they're still together, they've been together the whole time. I would assume that most of the fandom just believes that they were together when they were younger or in One Direction. And um, One Direction fandom um, really hated One Direction's management. And to be fair, I think that's fair criticism. I think One Direction was one of the most like kind of um, used boy bands that we've had recently. And a lot of that is just because they signed pretty predatory contracts. They went on, you know, X Factor. They weren't expecting to become the world's largest boy band. They were just expecting to sing a bit on a show. And they didn't know each other. So this is five teenage strangers having to suddenly never go home and just live together and uh, appear to be best friends anytime they're on camera because that sells way better than them being enemies. But with any boy band, you're going to get jealousy. You're going to get people. um, You're going to have a favorite one. You're going to have a least favorite one. And they didn't predict who was going to be the favorite and least favorite very well. Um, when they started, they thought that Liam would be the front man of the band. And there is some great TikToks. I will link to them, honestly, if I can find them. But it's so hard to find TikToks. It's one of the major downfalls of the app. But um, there's a girl who went through and found the standard deviation of how met, how many solo seconds people like each member of One Direction got. It's actually really fascinating. Liam was on Logan Paul's podcast, an incredible sentence. And he talked about how he was the original frontman and people got really mad. And then this girl was like, was he? And it turns out like, yeah, for sure. He was he was definitely told that he was supposed to be that. But then there was just Harry and there was Zane, and there was no denying that those were the two that people were going to walk away, like really remembering and like, good job, Niall. You really, you really tried, Niall. So anyway... <laughs> The One Direction fandom was very interesting. They were kind of, I would describe them as a toxically positive fandom. Like you really had, it was very similar to how ARMY is very OT7. Like you had to love all of the boys. There wasn't, you weren't really allowed to say like Liam's kind of annoying because they were very outwardly loving with each other. And now it's come out that they were having a lot of fights. And obviously they were having a lot of fights. They were all like stuck in this very weirdly marketed band. And I think being in a boy band must just wreak havoc on your ego because masculinity is such a, prison but also like you have every night you just have girls screaming their heads off and like you know they're getting laid left right and center but do they have the respect of their male peers the only thing that matters to teenage boys like what Justin Bieber went through in front of the entire world just like being made fun of is really horrific to think about but anyway um so Larry (laughs) Larry's are people who believe that at one point or still Larry um which is Harry and Liam's name's poor man toad were deeply, madly in love. There are many, many compilations. Uh, there's a lot out there. There are a lot of photos. There's a lot of whatever. Whether they are or not, what these people have done is atrocious. So Liam, not Liam. So Louis has a child. And he has a child with a woman who he was like not in a public relationship with. And he got a paternity test. Like this is all very public, whatever. The, the kid is his. And um, stands for years have tried to go on a crusade that this person is not real and that they this whole thing was planted by management to distract from the fact that Liam and or, I keep calling him Liam. Wow. That Louis and Harry were together and in love because the whole thing with One Direction is that their management like was kind of shady and shitty. But the fans projection of what management was doing, I think like everything became bad management. And the idea that management is like hiding a queer relationship from people is something people really latched on to. 
And Harry was at the center of a lot of the most popular ships because he was the hottest one. And so real people fan fiction, I think, became much bigger at that time because Wattpad has a lot more of it. And the thing about fan fiction is, like, I have absolutely no problem with fan fiction for fictional characters. I think that is, like, super great. Um, I think it's a wonderful art form. I think people have a lot of fun. I think there's really, like, nothing wrong with it. Um, Obviously, there's going to be things in every fandom. I don't think people should be writing about things that are illegal, crimes, as kinks and whatever. But um, that is, you know, a very different discussion. But real people fan fiction crosses a lot of lines for me personally, and I think it really is unhealthy because it blends um, reality with fiction in a way that I think is really hard to distinguish. And especially you have to remember that like Harry Styles' fandom and One Direction was really marketed at young girls. So a lot of like 14 and 16 year olds are reading this stuff and they don't have full frontal lobes. So like if you read a bunch of stories that are like little rom-coms basically, or like erotica, um, (laughs) because that's what fan fiction is, Um, Not all of it, but like there's a blend. You can find anything in fan fiction. You can get completely G stories and get like there's ratings on AO3. Um, But real people fic is is a little bit different than real people fic is just a whole different ballgame from uh, narratives about fictional characters. And so Harry was like Harry had like the most fic written about him, like, you know, in the world at one point. And so I think like between that and fan art and fan art, that's pornographic and drawings of real people, you know, boundaries are being crossed, certainly. Um, public figures, like, I do think, you know, the idea of like, oh, they signed up for this. Like, I don't think anybody has ever signed up for the scrutiny of the internet. I don't think we are capable of doing that because I think it's so new. Um, but projections from the stands really led this uh, ship to new heights and the fame and the fandom that really carried over to Harry, certainly some of it um, came from the the Larry stands. And so there's a he has a vested interest in not pissing them off and not saying anything that'll really um, drive them away or deny or confirm. And so what's tough is like, I don't think you can win, right? Because I don't think he can come out and be like, there. there's this faction of my fandom that thinks I was in a relationship with one of my bandmates when I was 16. And whether I was or wasn't was really, is really none of their business. But the way that they treat real people in the real world is atrocious and they need to stop because regardless of what they believe, they're, they're damaging real people's lives. Because the mother of Louis' child has come out and said she's been the victim of, she has not had a moment of peace basically, since she announced that she was the mother of Louis Tomlinson's child. And people try to deny that her kid exists and people try to harass like the doctors that she goes to. Like, it's a real thing. These are real life consequences. And I think that that often gets lost in like, oh, Twitter's doing this. It's like, no, like real people are doing this. Like stands are getting up in arms. And I think about it all the time because um, <laughs> if you spend any time on BTS Twitter and I try not to spend time on this section of BTS Twitter, it's just uh, it comes in because Twitter can't get their their algorithm to stop recommending really annoying things to me that I'm like, ooh, so close. Like, no, I actually don't want, I don't want this. I want this, but like the funny, insightful version. So um, anyway, uh, BTS Twitter gets up in arms with each other all the time because there's so many ships within a seven-person band and so much quote-unquote evidence. And so people just, you know, are battling it out every day. But in that, there's like, it's 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 not that I worry that BTS is going to see the tweets. It's that I worry about like 
the heart rates of these girls, and I'm going to generalize and say girls, that are tweeting back and forth at each other and, like, really getting into it. And, like, people will, like, you know, like, add you to blockchains and, like, try to get your account deleted. And, like, that's real for these people. They've put time and effort into, like, cultivate, you know, like... So I think online in the real world, it, online often gets dismissed. It's like, oh, it's just online. And it's like, I, but like, I think people are still like writing a real thing and feeling a real thing. So the thing about like Harry is that how does he come out and tell off that part of the fandom without acknowledging that part of the fandom and not acknowledging them directly has been the the plan so far. But also there are certain things that I think have led me to believe that it's not that he's like giving giving into it, but I think there is kind of this like part of his marketing. I don't think that it's necessarily like him in interviews doing it, but I think there's part of his marketing that they kind of rely on that ambiguity in order to get people interested. I think like you can't tell me that Taylor Swift doesn't know every single theory that's out there about her and Carly Kloss. And regardless of whether or not it's true, I think she is playing into it. I think she is playing into the Easter eggs of it all and her, like, you know, virtuoso uh, reputation that she got from Selena Gomez saying, like, she's so much smarter than people realize. And, like, so it just, like, leaning into fan service is certainly a thing that happens. But if you decide one thing is fan service and is everything fan service and, like, can you trust your favorite artists and, like, do you have to or can you just enjoy their music and, like, who cares if it's fake or do you care if it's fake? Because, like, I kind like I don't really care about authenticity um, in major pop stars. I don't think that that can be possible. Like, I think it's nice when I can feel like I have a sense of who they are, but I also know that I'll never have a sense of who they really are, nor really should I. I don't think we should have that, the, like, that close of a look at people who are super fucking public because I think it's impossible for them to ever live a normal life once that happens. And I just think that everybody is entitled to privacy and I just don't think a lot of people get it. And I think Harry is one of those people where like there are, you know, his fans find stuff that, and they post about it and they make compilation videos. And like there, there are Instagrams that document his relationships with the girls that the albums are about. You know what I mean? Like I know that because fandom stuff is easy for me to find. I don't even go looking for it. I just still am on Tumblr and like I, you know, was a One Direction fan in like 2012 when it was the right year to be a One Direction fan. 2011? 2012. Um, I watched the acoustic. I made Dan watch the acoustic uh, one thing version at my apartment uh, in Brooklyn 10 years ago. Wow. Um, and he was like, this is so gay. I love it. And then he got really into them for the summer. Um, and then we realized that all of their merch was made for five-year-old babies. And it was really stupid because their fandom was hugely um, older than what it was marketed to. And that was really the downfall of One Direction's um, fan base is that they kept thinking that everybody was a lot younger. And I think if they had catered to their like teenage and older fans, they would have been taken more seriously like there's the documentaries that they put out as a band like you can tell Zane is very unhappy with like being a boy band member in them like he says like I love it and I have so much fun and I really respect our fans for being like so outwardly loving of this thing and I think that's true I think fans are admirable for liking a thing so loudly I think it's embarrassing to really like show your soft underbelly of like I love this thing it means so much to me because it's something somebody can poke at but 
and you know anything that a teenage girl likes is mocked anyway so I think it was it was good of Zane to say that but you can tell that he really was like oh like there's a scene of him and Louie talking about like a different coffee table book kind of merch idea and he's like that would be so sick if we could do that and it could be like photos that we took and it's like people would have loved that people would have lapped that up like fucking you know but like leaning into fans like I, I just I think like if you can make money off of it, people do. And so they kind of, they put people in these precarious situations. And I don't know if celebrities feel comfortable saying no to a lot of things or um, if it just becomes like entitled fan behavior takes over and there's demands. And then it becomes this like, well, you know, you need to have a career. So you have to play into it. And like with Harry Styles, like he's purposefully not um, confirming anything because he wants to keep all of his, cards kind of open um for if he wants to do something later and so you know i just think that like with the larry of it all and the real people stuff it just it feels really weird and invasive and for them to kind of like poke towards it without any um context is really strange like i I, a lot of people read rolling stone who are never gonna hear of larry stylinson thank god but like, since I have, I have to fucking talk about it. And it just feels like nobody's ever protected Harry from any of this. Like he has been hung out for public scrutiny basically since the beginning. And I think, you know, the, you can look at it and go like, well, he wanted to be famous. And it's like, I don't think anybody knows what they're getting into. And he was 16 and like dating Caroline Flack, I think is the last time he's ever said anything publicly about like, hey, lay off this person. And it didn't go well. His fans really doubled down on um, being super fucking mean to Caroline Flack, who passed away just a few years later because of public scrutiny and like being bullied by the public. And I think that that's like a really big deal. And obviously that's like trauma. And so I think like I don't know that he has a way forward with his fan base where he does get to address this in any real way. But I just think that that's like the missing piece of the puzzle. And I do wonder how we talk about it. And honestly, what I want, I said this to a friend earlier today, I was like, I just want to summit. Like, I want a real Hollywood reporter, like the Hollywood reporter fucking roundtables of like men who have been shipped with real life co-stars and how that's like affected them and like their careers and their choices. Because I think it's really, it's got to be really fucking weird to show up to work every day and be like, hey, did you see we're like the, you know, like. And I I know that, you know, it used to be that you had to search for this shit. I don't think you have to anymore. People are tagging people and stuff. People have to be on Twitter contractually for movie and TV shows and to live tweet it. And especially back in the day, that was true. And it was everywhere. I think it is so funny that MTV is bringing Teen Wolf back. And they are not bringing back Dylan O'Brien because he's the entire point of Teen Wolf. And I'm not kidding when I say that or overstating a thing. MTV's Teen Wolf was kept on air for as long as it was because of one ship. And it is still one of the most written about ships on Archive of Road. And it's a character ship. So I don't have as, like, I don't have, like, a moral issue with people writing a shit ton of fan fiction about Dylan O'Brien and um, the guy who played Derek Hale. Steric was the fucking ship name. And Steric is the reason that Teen Wolf lasted for as long as it did. But what MTV used to do to these poor guys is, like, not protective. They used to put them with these fans all the time. And, like, just because I know that it's very unlikely that anybody listening to this has actually seen a fucking episode of Teen Wolf, those two characters interact for maybe 10 minutes in the entire show. There's like one episode where Styles holds him up in a pool and that was enough for people. It was fix it pick. Everybody just liked how they looked together. They were like sick. And so there is so much fucking like they are one of the most written about ships of all time. They're like still top three. So that means that there's like 
millions of of fucking fanfics written about this character that this guy played and like his likeness was a really big part of it and fan art was a really big part of it and MTV used to have fan competitions where you could send in steric thick and fan art and then they'd pick their favorite ones and they would like fly these people out to the cons because Teen Wolf was big at the cons because who's going to cons Tumblr girls who's on Tumblr steric girls like it it became a whole thing and so they would put Tyler Hecklin that's his name they would put Tyler Hecklin and Dylan O'Brien in rooms with these girls that were drawing like it, it just felt it always felt so weird to me and like a lot of these girls would come back and write stories about it on their tumblers and it was always like uh, and like that's when I usually interacted with it was when like cringe shit made it to the other side and I'll always remember this one where like a girl said like Tyler Hecklin's like a 26 year old like fully grown man and this is girls like I think she was like 18, 19 and she's sitting next to him and somebody made some fucking joke and she's like, I'm very protective of him. Don't say that. And she wrote this as if like she's the hero of the story and everybody was like, it's fucking weird that you think you're protective of this person you've never met because that's what parasocial relationships do. They write your brain. Anyway, I always thought that was really embarrassing for that girl. And now um, everybody who's listening to this has heard the story. So, um, but MTV did not protect either of those guys from the, they encouraged people to be pretty inappropriate about it. They got asked about it a lot during interviews. Like it was, they they would purposely bait people, especially the guy who created it. Um, I think his name is Jeff Davis. He used to do a lot of Tumblr ask things where he would be like, hey, my inbox is open, like ask away. And so people would ask questions and he would reply with like pretty baity answers. Like one of the ones that went around, I cannot believe I remember this much about Teen Wolf fandom era on Tumblr, but it was truly the number one biggest thing on Tumblr at the time. And I definitely watched the first season of Teen Wolf and said the sentence to a friend, oh no, if you get past episode six, it gets okay. A ringing endorsement. Um... (laughs) So I was like, I don't get why people like this show. And then I went online and was like, oh, people don't actually like the show they're watching. They like watching the show so that they can write false fantasies based on vague plot lines that are like maybe mentioned in the background. So anyway, oh, Jeff Davis would like have these like question round things. And these would make the rounds because I think this was queer baiting. Like this is actual queer baiting because it's fictional characters and somebody plotting it out. But people, there was one where somebody said, like, oh, where did Derek work when he lived in New York? And it was, like, he replied with, like, Splash Bar, which is, like, it was, like, a famous, like, gay bar. And everybody, like, freaked out. And it was just this thing where I was, like, oh, that's not, like... And and then it got taken as canon. And uh, I think fanfic is really fascinating, to be honest, because, like, in every different ship of different things, like, a lot of ships that get really big are actually not the primary thing. Like, I think you you might be surprised to learn that one of the biggest ships of all time on Tumblr, which is where fandom really found a home and really grew into something very different than it had been because of GIFs and fan art and things like that. Um, and GIFs are, like, totally a different situation. And if you haven't seen GIFs on Tumblr, I think it's, like, kind of hard to explain that, like, I have... There are many, many shows that I have never seen a single episode of that I could tell you every single line from because somebody has... I've seen it. I've watched it through GIFs. Um, <laughs> so with Teen Wolf, like, that... Oh, that was what I was about to say. One of the biggest ships when I joined Tumblr was from Inception. It was the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character and Tom Hardy's character who say like two lines to each other. But one of those lines is you've got to dream a little bigger, darling. And so people wrote so many fanfics about them. And like, it's really funny. I just find it interesting in fanfic that like tropes in and of itself develop within fic. So like if you read a certain like ship over and over, you'll just start seeing the same patterns pop up. And I would just, I would love to know what they are across all of them because like 
the ones that I remember are truly like so random and funny, but like, uh, I don't know. I feel like this is, <laughs> I feel like I keep being like, I didn't read it, but, but like there were things that this is like way long time ago, but, um, Things with, like, the Avengers fandom, they all, like, lived in Stark Tower, like, for a while when, like, the first Avengers movie came out. Like, everything was about, like, all of them living in the same tower. In, um, I mean, Teen Wolf is a big reason that, like, Omegaverse is currently a thing. And I don't want to explain what Omegaverse is, but because it was werewolves, there was a lot of that going on. If you're interested in what Omegaverse is, again, I will link a Lindsay Ellis, um, video essay kind of that goes into a lawsuit that happened over Omegaverse. I don't know that it's super clear, but I also cannot say any of the words that would define it um, out loud because I will um, burst into flames if I try. It is so funny to me that this is like a huge subgenre now that like traditional publishing is really not acknowledging because I don't know how they're going to acknowledge it, but people are basically, it's, oh, it's like, it's like human hybrids. It's so, huh? Omegaverse is fucking fascinating and it's only getting bigger but um, it was invented during the Supernatural stuff and Supernatural had a really interesting thing where like the ships on Supernatural became bigger than the show and so like, <laughs> um, the day that Biden got elected was also the day that like one of the ships that like one of the biggest ships of all time became like canon and so that was like a whole different thing on Tumblr but p- real people from that show got shipped there were there was characters that got shipped on that show but then people really liked shipping like the two main leads but in the show they're brothers and so like obviously some people just uh, i say obviously as if it's not like super fucking disturbing um there's a lot of fan fiction about the two brothers as brothers um but what people did to kind of like fix that situation because this is again just about like dynamics and aesthetics and the look of two people together because we do need to talk about how straight women fetishize gay men i should have said this way sooner but that is a huge part of this is that like there's a fetish element to this and there's also like a safe sexual thing that i think straight women have or like you know like women in general have with dudes who are gay, they're sexually non-threatening. I've always had this theory, not just because I had a crush on every single gay person I ever met in high school without knowing it, um, but I just think that there is a thing, and I see it a lot on, like, YouTube and, like, the guys who kind of become famous. I think it's really easy to have a pretty, like, intensely dedicated female fan base who thinks you're a really good guy if you come across as, like, pretty sexually non-threatening, and I think gay men come across to women who are attracted to men as sexually non-threatening because they don't want to be sexual with you. Anyway, that's just, that's my sexually non-threatening theory, um, explained, <laughs> explained as well as I possibly can at the end of trying to talk about all of this in a way that doesn't make my brain feel like it's oozing out of my ears, but like, conspiracy theories make fans feel closer, real people fan fiction, I think, is like an entire subgenre in and of itself that people don't know how to talk about, and people who write it have a million reasons that they write it. And people who read it make excuses for reading it or have reasons for reading it or whatever it is. And I think we're often defined these days by the media that we consume because we don't have real markers of personality beyond consumption. And so what you consume says a lot about you now and you're supposed to do background checks on every single thing you consume because what if that person has said a thing that you politically do not agree with and I just wish that things could be less political because I don't think everything should have to be, but also we're living in such a polarized society now that everything is. And so it's everything is like black or white, like they're either the best person or the worst person. There's no in between, which is like they're a person. And I don't think we should trust celebrities at all. Every single celebrity will always let you down because, again, at the end of the day, they're a person. So they're going to say some shit that people are not going to believe. Um, so. (sighs) 
I just think that this Rolling Stone article and like shipping culture and all of it just kind of goes into this like I think celebrities brains get a little bit broken and I think there are people who really lean into the like well it's fake anyway so I may as well get what I can get out of it mentality and I think you see that a lot like I think like Pete Davidson's going through that and has been for years now I think there's a lot of people who are kind of like oh this is what it is and then their behavior really radically changes and I think it's not just like access and fame and isolation from being famous and not being able to have any problems anymore because you have money and since everybody else doesn't have money and since we're so desperate um, we can't relate to people who don't have money issues on top of other issues we don't think other issues can be real because we're all so money stressed that like it's like that's 90% of my issues so I don't care to hear about the 10% because that 10% is so unimportant to me because you have money, so you don't understand. And I think that that is what Classified does. Um, and I, you know, I think celebrities are obviously a whole different um, ball game when it comes to separating out and the pressure. The pressures that they go through to maintain lifestyles in order to maintain some semblance of like see how successful i am because we really look to how successful people are by the capital that they consume and if you're not doing that then it's like your whole thing that you're not doing that and so you're shane lee woodley talking about how you use clay for toothpaste um and that doesn't feel authentic either somehow because we know you're selling us something and everybody's selling you something and every persona is selling you something and now with shipping stuff it's like well they can't talk about it because the shippers are the ones who are like rabidly standing outside of the store for 10 days before it opens that they can be the first one to buy the harry style cd and we can't you can't buy that kind of that you cannot replace that kind of passion there's no there's no one else who's gonna make for part 40 of why Larry Stylinson's tattoos are lined up and all reference each other other than shippers. And that's the shit that really gets people hook, line, and sinkered into a fandom. And it's terrifying. And I think it happens to a lot of younger people and they don't understand the boundaries that they're crossing by assuming that they know anything about these people's personal lives, let alone their sex lives, let alone like their relationships. And... Um, I think when you don't have a fully formed cerebral cortex, it's a big thing. And I also think that there's like a big difference. Like, here's the thing. I don't want to like, I think I've railed on this for long enough. Um, I don't want to say that like people having thoughts or thinking that two people being together would be cute is bad. That's not bad. If you want to believe it in your heart and in your, in your mind, I don't really have a problem with that. People have thoughts that I don't, you know, like agree with, but don't mind if they have all the time. It's as soon as you're promoting it on a public forum. It's as soon as you're making a video of all of their moments or writing a blog post or there's a lot of ways that like actively engaging with it or like joining a discord that only talks about it or whatever it is, then it starts to get a little bit level. Like there are different levels. I think consuming it versus creating it is a different level, but like where is the line? And I really, again, I don't really have a problem if people in their, in their own little minds want to be like, no, I think when they were 16, something happened. That's fine. You're not really hurting anybody as long as you're not like promoting it publicly and calling anybody a liar trying to ruin a child's life because they were fathered by Louis Tomlinson and that doesn't make sense. Or the, And the thing is, fandoms always want to have it both ways. So like because these conspiracy theories get so big and there's so much they have to explain, I would say Larry is like the only thing I can really think to compare it to as far as like how many things have to be explained in order to keep the the like central narrative true it's like QAnon how like anytime something happens they're like oh well this happened because it's actually trying to reveal this 
that's Larry shit. Like anytime these guys have a song lyric, have a tattoo, like everything is about each other. And they'll make really convincing fucking little videos about it. And then other people will be commenting and like, and they pop up for me. <sighs> a lot of times I consume them through people who are being like, wow, I can't believe this is still happening. And they'll post them on like Twitter or Tumblr. But the problem is you're still platforming it. And so people still get clicks and likes. And so they make more because people are making money off of these things. And like, I don't think with fan work, people are making money. Like fanfic is famously free. Um, they can't charge any money for it because then it's illegal. It's a copyright issue. I don't know with human likeliness how that, you know, plays out. But um, anyway, I just think that Harry Styles Rolling Stone interview was really weird. Um, and it really showed that he can't be honest. And I don't think anybody can be honest with their fans anymore. I don't think celebrities know how to talk to their fans anymore because the behavior, the fan behavior is truly so alien from human behavior, regular behavior, the way your brain works, I think changes in fandom. I think there's different dopamine releases. I think the record companies are really like banking on people getting to that place with people because it makes it a lot easier to sell them stuff. Like there are so many people who I'm like, oh, like they are doing entire like event coordinations and all of this other stuff. Um, and the amount of like love and dedication in a fandom can be really beautiful. And I think the amount of community and friendship that people find and like, you know, I, I'm not saying this to shit on the people who are going to Harry Styles' concerts and having a great time and meeting people through joining discords where they get to talk about how much they love him and, like, get to share the joy that music has brought into their lives. I think it's a really beautiful part of fandom, but I just think fandom is, like, a really slippery slope when nobody calls out kind of toxic behavior where people say like, Oh, it's fine. Like to believe what you believe. And it's like, yeah, it's fine to believe it. It's a very different thing to act on it. And I think with Harry, his fans have proven time and time again, that they actually, these stands are quite dangerous and will go too far. And I just think that like, we know that stands often have taken it too far historically. And I just, I very much worry about like the level of mania that gets cultivated on purpose in order to sell more records. Yeah. <laughs> and fandoms, free marketing and conspiracy theories are fun and they make people feel bonded and connected and like they know something you don't know. And that's why conspiracy theories across the board are gaining popularity because people don't have critical thought anymore. But what they do have is access to a story that makes them feel like they know something that other people don't. And so they get to feel, feel smart. And I think feeling smart is a really important part of like, um, being a human because I think we need to feel like appreciated it, <laughs> appreciated it. I think we need to feel appreciated for what we bring. And I think a lot of times with intelligence, especially for people who didn't necessarily get a lot of like great feedback on being smart um, in like a traditional school sense. Um, I think a lot of times conspiracy theory really is extra appealing to people because it makes them feel like they're critically thinking because they're being handed a bunch of bullshit critical analysis. And I think that like, that's the problem of critical frameworks is if you don't actually have like the background and structure to implement a framework and like see things through a perspective without like switching your perspective to that thing, I think that's really a problem. But I think the thing is the American education system's not set up to teach you critical thinking. It's set up to make you a factory worker. But the ironic part about that is that we don't have factories anymore. So 
what are what is school training you for? It's not training you for anything. It's just leaving out Watergate. And if we had Watergate, maybe people would fucking understand that the crime is not the problem. It's usually the cover-up. And the cover-up is <laughs> seemingly the problem with all this other shit that's happening. And we don't learn lessons. And nobody knows what Iran-Contra is. And um, I see this with social justice. I was just talking to my sister about this today. But, like, social justice is... It was supposed to be, like, a series of critical frameworks that people could see the world and relate to each other through and understand each other better with. And instead, it got, like, watered down into a series of memorized vocabulary lessons that people just used to feel smarter and better and elevate themselves, like, quote-unquote, above other people. Um, Because there's very few ways to, I think, like, feel meaningful satisfaction today. And especially, like... In the hyper-reality of America, it's really hard to feel moored. And so people really, like, latch on to these things that give them purpose and identity and give them a thing to, like, spend money on and feel community with. And so they get overly invested into that because we don't have hobbies or things that we do or things that we produce that we can then, like, look at and be like, wow, I did a thing. And I think accomplishment is only ever given to us in the context of work or sports. And I think like work is um, a false flag of accomplishment. And um, I think sports often leave people bereft when they can no longer do the sport or they no longer do it for a long time. And I think like youth sports should not be um, at all professionalized and it worries me how quickly they are. And I think it's bullshit. And I think the skill level of everything is becoming too high now. This is a different thing, but I really think it's important that we like tone down the skill levels that kids are expected to have for things because it is getting out of control. And there's only like so much you can do to the human body before you have to start altering it with chemicals and what I, I mean, like human growth hormone and shit and like people encouraging doping and having doping regimens because otherwise they can't keep up with the rest of the field. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in sports that traditionally don't have them. But like, where do you go in cheerleading when like you're already doing as many flips as like can, like you're already defying physics and gravity. Like the last season of cheer on Netflix, there was that kid who could do four flips in one go. And people were like, you can't do that. Like it's really momentum wise. He shouldn't be able to do that. And it's like, right, but now he's done it. So there's going to be another guy who figures out how to do it. And so that's going to become a standardized skill. And then in like two years, everybody's going to have that. But what happens next? And like, I think it's really interesting. I think it's great that sports are getting better, but I also just wish that 12 year olds didn't have to have like a double standing back tuck um, in order to make a team that, five years ago they would have just had to have like a round off for you know what I mean like I just think the kids should be able to be kids and school education system in America is bad and so instead um, fandom has filled in for community and so everything's moving as fandom because communities like to agree on things and so everybody gets in fights with each other and then the fighting becomes the thing people get addicted to and then the attention online is something they get addicted to and if you can get any attention the attention economy you're going to feel good and standom is a really easy way to do that because you can just tweet about a thing and put out videos and pictures and steal gifts from tumblr and people are like oh my god and then you get this dopamine rush every single time you get a notification on twitter and if you're seeing like six thousand notifications why are you gonna stop posting about larry stylins and if you're making money on tiktok posting a deep dive with 900 parts about all of the stuff that people need to know in order to understand why you believe that these two men are dating um you're not gonna stop making that if you're making money what incentive would they have and like they're clearly not using their full brain to do this stuff or like they think that it's fine so um anyway i think i'm gonna wrap it up there (laughs) i once again did not think i was gonna talk this long and here we are um i don't think harry styles is the new king of pop either but i think that that is obvious and they're just doing it as an inflammatory thing so that a bunch of people will trend on twitter 
And then more people read the article because outrage clicks um, don't matter because all they want you to do is get to the page that they can see the advertisements and advertisements don't care if you're there because you love it or hate it. They just care that you're there. And that's how clicks aren't neutral. Um, Anyway, I hope you have a great rest of your day, uh, afternoon, evening, or night, depending on when you're listening to this. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to follow me on Twitter. You can drop me an email. You can send me a thing. Uh, You can always get in contact with me if you have any episodes that you'd like to hear me talk about for a weird amount of time. Feel free to uh, give me those ideas. Uh, My cat is demanding food, so I'm going to go feed her. But I hope you have a wonderful rest of whatever. And... um, This probably won't be the last time that I talk about fandom, but uh, I think it was a good intro into all of the things that I find concerning about it at the very least, right? All right.